I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to our thought-provoking podcast with myself, actor, writer, director, and deep thinker, Libby MacArthur, counsellor, life coach, and all-round mountain man, Ross Hislop, and compassionate, strong advocate for women, motivational speaker, and broadcaster, Anne Hughes. In this series of podcasts, we talk about the things that we hardly ever talk about. We attempt to unpack the obvious, important, enormous life topics, questions, and controversial issues that no one hardly ever mentions or wants to discuss because it makes, well, at least some of us feel a tad uncomfortable. Nothing here is overlooked. This is The Elephant in the Room. This week we explore the notion of loneliness, an unpleasant emotional response to perceived isolation. Most people experience loneliness at some point in their lives and some of us far too often. In today's podcast, I started off equating loneliness with a global pandemic. Very topical. It was a good springboard, though, into a really rewarding chat. Enjoy. Today's subject for our elephant in the room is one that I think is a a, a pandemic. (laughs) I think it's a, a, a present day issue that's of huge proportions and it is loneliness Mm. during the pandemic because I mean so many people isolation became a safe word didn't it yeah and so I think our concept of isolation of being alone became very different and during this 2020 2021 so far during the pandemic and I know I've said this to you guys before I felt the opposite of lonely I don't know what that word would be but I've got three kids and my husband and being in the house continually, the five of us, I was like, oh my God, I would sit in the toilet for much longer than I needed to just to have a break and be myself. (laughs) And so now it's like when I do something myself, I'm having an element of anxiety about doing something myself. But it was like, you know, that whole balance of, I don't think I've ever felt lonely, if I'm really, really honest. Yeah. I'm it's not, not a big thing in my life. Everyone can identify with feeling lonely in a crowded room. Oh, why? You know, mm. I mean, the misunderstood feeling, I think, quite often feels like loneliness. That kind of, you know, that, yeah. that, that, because that, that, that's what I think we at core want to be is to be known. But I, I would definitely say that I am lonely. And as you know, I have probably the best, biggest bunch of pals you could. <laughs> you know, hope to meet, you know, I have tons of fantastic people in my life. I'm 
really proud of my relationships in lots of ways and, and I've got you guys, you know, and I've got my granddaughter and one in the way and stuff. So, but maybe what I'm lonely for is a particular kind of mm. connection and intimacy that's not in, in my life, but... What's lacking in loneliness? But lo- loneliness as a pandemic, I think, is out there. And so what's lacking? Yeah. Connection? See, is it like a lack Being of known? self-esteem and things like that? And then I think, is it a bit chicken and egg? What comes first? Do you know yeah. what comes first? Do you know that there is actually an estimated 9 million people in the UK who lack friendship and support that we need? God, it's There's actually a campaign. I was Googling it the other day. The campaign to end loneliness.org and it believes that all people of all ages need connections that Absolutely. matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't, Absolutely. I can't disagree with that. I've got a lot like yourself. I've got a wonderful family. I've got my sisters and I've got lots and lots of beautiful friends. And so it does in the feature. But see, sometimes you see people and you, th- or you hear a story or you hear of somebody or a neighbour or something and you notice that during pandemic, nobody visited them, nobody brought them anything. You think, God, their life seems so lonely. And then you think, but that's me measuring loneliness against what my measure of loneliness or measures of loneliness are all different, aren't they? It's like lonely, it's, it's a bit like saying weather, isn't it? Lonely. Uh, I suppose we think about older people more, don't we? Especially if they've lost their long-term spouse and that's a, a huge kind of full-tilt catastrophe to suddenly be alone when you've been part of a, a partnership for mm. decades and decades. I'm used to being on my own. I mean, I, 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 I've always done things on my own. I'm, I'm a bit of a chronic independent, so I wonder if I experience my loneliness in a different way from, say, you know, I mean, you hear all those stories about the, you know, the wee woman in the care home and uh, she dies and they go to tell her husband and he basically says... I know already, you know, like folk are so connected to each other, the no one one's the other one's left kind of thing. And then the loneliness there, I think, must be a, a really acute, you know. I think when you think of somebody that's lonely or we conjure up an image of what loneliness is, I personally wouldn't look further down the line at what health implications that's going to Well, how can loneliness have a health implication? You're having three meals a day, you know, you've got your heat on, but it's having a detrimental effect to our healthcare system and it's got a detrimental effect not only to your mental health but your physical health as well. I looked at statistics in a functional magnetic resonance in the brain that somebody that's chronically lonely affects the same place in the brain as physical pain or assault. Mm. Yeah. So it's an actual assault on the system. It's uh-huh. a trauma on the system. Yeah. Higher rates of depression, anxiety and suicide. Actually, I looked up some stats at that and it said you're nearly four times, if you are lonely... Four times. Four times increased risk of death. If you're lonely. If you're lonely. 68% increased risk of hospitalisation and 75% increases in visits to the ER. But it's it's, it's such a taboo to say, though, I am lonely. And I um, wasn't in preparation for this talk at all, but... I remember the dates, it was last month, I'd come back from a very, very busy month and I had granted myself two days off, it just so happened it was on a Monday and a Tuesday and I woke up on the Monday morning and I was cuddling my pillow, I'm single and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing cuddling the pillow? And it was almost like I was needing to be held or hold somebody and then I went about my Monday, I was still bedraggled because I was tired but then I moved into the Tuesday and on the Tuesday, I was out walking the dog. I walk the dog every day. I never give it a thought. Or do I? Is it going on at some level in my mind that I'm not necessarily aware of? But on that Tuesday, I was walking the dog and I was thinking, 
I'd really love to share this with somebody. I'd really like somebody to be here doing this with me just now. And as soon as those feelings, as soon as they arose, I was so quick to be able to push them back down again and just get on with it. Just get on with it. Just you'll be absolutely fine. Just get on with it. And you might pick up the phone and phone somebody and have a mediocre conversation to fill an hour of nothingness. You know, how many of us are actually able to admit that we are lonely? And you know, Ross, it's funny that thing of nothing compensates for it. I remember I got a job with Scottish Passport and Disney took us to America and I was in Orlando, Florida and I alone had this apartment and the bed was like a cartoon bed, you know, like, you know, you go to Blackpool and you come back with a big mad toothbrush or a you know, big dog or something. The, the bed wasn't, it wasn't king size, it was king size plus. Uh. My five pals could have got in that bed and we could have all been comfortable. And there was champagne and a big bucket and there was fruit and a big, massive, big, you know, big pyramid and, and there was no empty there but me. I was in that big room on my own with a, you know, a balcony and, and tellies in every room and I had a jacuzzi thing and all that. And it was excruciating to be in my own. It just, mm. I just was like, oh, imagine if my five pals were here. Imagine if, or, or a big, beautiful big man, that would have been even better. But, you know, just to wander about that space excited, <laughs> going, oh, oh, this is, uh, wow. You know, it took me ages to actually just try and enjoy it for me, right. you know, because it just it almost exacerbated my loneliness at that point, you know, just kind of it almost made it more like it, you know. It's like there ain't no stuff that's going to make the difference of feeling known and connected and accepted and, and cherished, you know. I know. And I think that society, especially on this, is hopefully as we're emerging for the pandemic, you could so easily be lonely because now, like, everybody's work saying you can work from home. And so you might have just got into the vibe of, I like wearing my leggings and just sitting on my couch and making mine lunch and getting up at half eight. So you're in that vibe. And now you can literally, in Glasgow anyway, I don't know if this is the experience in more remote places, but you can get anything delivered to your house. Yeah. And you can tick the box that says, leave it at the door. Absolutely. You literally never need to see another human oh, being. Yeah. And we've set that up as if that is a good thing in society. Yes. Actually, yeah. I think it's a bit heartbreaking that people are just losing the ability awesome. to have human connections. And, and, and after the lockdown period where we, we were, well, well, I certainly have spent a lot of time in my own. My worry is that the fallout from that is the less you do, the less you do, the more you do, the more you do. Mm. You know that you get into a... Pa- you, you become know, used oh, to it. You get used to it. You, go, you become used to okay, it. I remember I used to go to the GFT and watch all of them. Oh, I remember I used to go to Stravagan and have a... Oh, I remember other cinemas and restaurants are available. But, you know, just not going out the way you used to. You could just... I could definitely get home at six o'clock and stick my jammies on and... So, I've just thought of something there. We were talking about loneliness and we were talking about connection and is loneliness disconnection? Is loneliness disconnection? And... Does this system that we inhabit thrive on connection or disconnection? Well, it thrives in disconnection. Mm. Because the more disconnected you feel, the more sweeties you're going to eat, the more drugs you're going to take, the more mm. booze you're going to spend, the, the more money you're going to, you're going to pay, the more stuff you're going to buy, the more plastic surgery you're going to go for, the more you're going to identify with the next film character. Totally. You know. And then you've got the booby prize of social media. You know, this new society yeah, that you can this be new part community. of. You know, this Social new community. media community. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's oh my God, it's such a pseudo, like you said, Ross, it's that pseudo Pseudo friends. 2,500 friends on Facebook. What? Uh, don't know, I don't know 10% I even, of them. I know. Even I, 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 and, and I, I said to somebody the other day, 
Do you know I've got four and a half thousand followers on Twitter? I've no idea what that means to me. It means kind of, kind of nothing. I don't really know why I said it. Give us but, validation. But, but yeah, it's like it's it's like what what am I, sorry what am I saying? You know. But you know, it really just starts makes it makes me it think about it's a social validation feedback loop that we all need, and it's exploiting us at every level. Totally. It's even like likes. Oh God! Yeah. Happy I emojis. I know. I've got a friend. I've turned off my notifications on my social media so I don't get notified, so I don't get pinged and I look at it when I want to look at it. And I did that ages ago, like a year mm-hmm. ago or something longer. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, last night I did go in like, you know, sort of a lying in bed and I went in and looked on Instagram and a pal had sent me a message on Instagram, but she'd sent me it like two days ago. And I, I messaged her and I was like, you need to text me, I don't check this. <laughs> you I know, know the idea. Uh-huh, I uh-huh. don't, so you need to like actually text me, let's go for lunch. I don't want to, I don't like to converse with people no, in I, a social media environment. I don't to, think it's real. But yeah. for some people, if you're at home and that is your only social connection okay. and you've justified to yourself that this is a good way. I've got hundreds of pals that are all interested. You know, you've seen the funny pictures of people who are taking a picture of themselves sure. ready for a night out and actually they've got their jammies on. <laughs> they're kidding on they're going on the night out. <laughs> they've just put a face of makeup on and a nice top. To kid on, they're going to do oh, something. No, oh no. And you think, God, when did our life become so fake? Yeah. So it's lonely. okay so to say to somebody, I'm a bit lonely. Do you fancy meeting in the real world? I know I met my friends for walks a lot. Like my best pal, Sandra, I met, we went for a walk every single week in lockdown. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and it's driving addiction. It's driving all detrimental behaviours. It's absolutely yeah. driving it. But it's like... There's no such things as stupid people. It's just we're not educated. There's things I don't know about. And do we ever sit down when we're drinking too much or do we just think, God, I'm drinking too much and then feel really ashamed? Do we ever really question and go, why am I drinking too much? Am I drinking too much because I'm lonely? I'm sitting in the house every night and there's nobody to tell me not to finish that bottle of wine or there's nobody telling me not to go up to the cupboard and eat another packet of crisps or whatever. But ultimately what's driving these detrimental behaviours is loneliness and the lack of connection, which is disconnection. Is but yeah. what are we disconnected from? Why has our society became so wiredly connected, yet so mm-hmm. heart-based disconnected? Totally. And what's exacerbating it? I mean, the telly, look what's happened to, t- to TV watching. You know, I mean, do you remember when you were a kid and everybody watched the Mark and Wise show, or everybody watched the two Ronnies. <laughs> the two so the next day, you'd replay it all over. See that Dave Allen sketch, see that bit where he did And you'd have the whole programme all over again in the playground because everybody had watched it. You know, you were going, see that bit, and see that bit. No. And now, now when you, you, you sit down, I mean... We'd only three channels tra- to choose from. I try not to binge in the same way that I try and make a really light touch with Facebook or Twitter, and I'm just going to go, oh! That's five minutes. Put it off. Put it off. You know, kind of like I'm aware that I, I'm bad at that stuff. I really need to not follow it. But now everybody's just going. How many seasons has that got? You know, it's got five seasons. That'll keep you there at three o'clock in the morning every night of the week if you want. Right. Do you know what I mean, it's terrifying. I sometimes wonder if you can quantify loneliness. And as we're chatting, I was thinking about my daddy, who we lost uh, 2014. And he was 81, so he's had a really good life. He had buried his wife like 28 years before that. He had buried all his brothers and sisters. He was a family of 10. Most of his pals had passed away. So he had four children and three grandchildren, and he was never, like, we visited him a lot. We loved our dad, and he was, you know, 
he had done that be lonely in the sense that people did not see him, people did not care for him, because we certainly did. But I wonder if he ever, and I don't know the answer, if he ever had a sense of loneliness because he had lost the people who had known him his whole life. Oh, for sure. Who had, like, who were the same, who could, you're never going to have the same relationship with your children that you did with your brothers and sisters and friends and wife and all that. And I wonder, was there an element of loneliness for him because he had... Like, all he really had now was his children. Absolutely. Did he have anybody else? Did he feel lonely? I don't know the answer. When my dad was in his 80s and he had elected to leave the planet, you know, he was like, I'm getting up the ghost, I'm out here, hen. And he was very clear about it. You know, he basically said, you know, I'll give you Christmas Day and hug me and that's your whack. Died on the 1st of January. And one of the ways that he tried to explain it to me was he said, all my people are gone. And he was the youngest of four brothers and two Mm -hmm. sisters and obviously his parents. Uh, But he was basically saying... You're all fine. You're licensed to leave, but all my people have gone. All my part, you know, and it's you know, I, totally. I think he was. He, 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 so there levels of loneliness then. Levels of loneliness. What just jumped into? Sorry, and jump in. It was just what you said there, which was beautiful. That really touched me. All my people have gone. Mm-hmm. That really touched me when you said that, and it got me thinking about what about my inner community? What about my internal community? My three-year-old. It's gone. Do I miss my three-year-old? Do I miss those times? Did I take advantage of being seven? Do I miss me? Is that why I'm lonely? So when you said, your dad said, I've nothing to be here for, my people have gone. Mm -hmm. Do I look back in my life and go, I could have been more productive in my 20s? Yes. I could have have (laughs) laughed more in my teenage years and been less rebellious and been more creative. Could I have settled quicker in my 30s? Yeah. And am I looking at life now the way your father looked at it with the death and loss and tragedy, but leaving those parts of myself that haven't caught up, that 20-year-old, that 13-year-old, that 7-year-old, am I lonely because they have gone? I think that's brilliant. I love that phrase, um, you missed yourself, you know, you never went to that party. And, uh, and the part of you that did go to the party had a great time and then you meet up your pal and they go, oh, you missed yourself. Was, I love that phrase. But I think I think you've hit on something there, Ross, that if we're going to say anything as elephants, then we're always trying to sort of say, you know, what's the upgrade on this thinking? What's the upgrade on this? These, you know, trying to be more aware and more, raising our consciousness about these things. Then let's actually go to where we always go with loneliness and start talking about, you touched on it earlier on. Ross, what, what is it that drives loneliness? You know, what what is, you know, how do we end up being there? You know, I mean, when, when I... Trauma. Yeah, I mean, we didn't used to live like this. This is this is the new illness, loneliness. This is the new... I mean, I remember when I started going out with Brian's daddy, you'd go to his mammy's house in Maxwellton Road and the Waynes would come round with a sponsor sheet because they were going round Huggingfield Lock to, to raise money and they would come round. But they already had 10 signatures because two doors down was their auntie and two doors down was that was their big cousin and two doors for that was their other auntie and two doors for that was their mummy and daddy. And two. They all lived in Maxwellton Road. They were all, you know, two or three doors down. So when the main sponsorship came to us, it was full. We, you know, and that's the way people used to live. We, we don't live like that anymore. We don't, you know, and like you were saying, Anne, earlier on, it's, this is meant to be progress. This is meant to be as a, an advantage to have, you know, our own space and our private dwellings and our separate. I love it when a documentary goes to those poor people in India and we'll go over to those poor people in India, they've got nothing. And you walk into a room and there's like 20 folk all 
dead fit, so they're on their hunches. Feel wrong way. Oh, you know, and there's like six generations of women all squealing with laughter, all you know, passing around food, all breaking bread with each other, and you just kind of go, you know, hmm, what is poverty? <laughs> you know, exactly. What loneliness. is poverty? Is loneliness is poverty. Like something that we could see as a new thing. Is it something? Because sometimes there's things that you can say. Oh, people never used to talk about mental illness, so. It, it wasn't that it didn't exist, it was just people didn't talk about it. But if we go to loneliness, is it actually something that is something that's just an issue now in our society because of the way we've built society? Because our community living as groups living within, like, everybody lives in the one street, that just doesn't happen anymore. And we've convinced ourselves that that's a good thing. But now we've got 9 million people in the UK that are, are, are actually... I mean, the word is in that website, chronic loneliness imagine chronic chronic and inescapable loneliness loneliness. they can't get out of it and I think for me a lot of things do come back so I hope I'm not going off topic is about that authenticity about me actually being authentic and being me enough to be able to say to the people that I love and I care about I'm feeling lonely just now and not seeing that as a weak point not seeing that as an Achilles heel that's where they'll attack me if I show weakness mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. what makes me strong is my weakness if I own it that's mm-hmm. what makes of me strong is. and of course this people aren't willing to own words like loneliness no. anymore and of course the big joke is that if somebody's actually in their authenticity and talking about their vulnerability we kind of love it it's empowering, it engages us, it connects us in a way that... I mean, that's why we tell story. Story is all about, actually, a, you know, a return to love, a return to connection, a return to... That's why celebrity is the opposite of creativity, you know, which is all about isolating. And I think loneliness also trips in. I mean, look at poor Britney Spears now. You know? Oh, God bless I mean, her. You know, I'm sure she's really struggling, you know, completely. You know, she's trying to get away from her dad and she can't, you know, talk about being isolated, talking about... But anyway, fame is fatal, that's another elephant... But yeah, what are the choices we're making? And again, let's get back to kind of, you know, personal accountability here because I personally know that when it comes to, say, for example, walking down the street and I'm in a, a particularly grumpy mood with myself and I don't like me that day and I see somebody who I like, but I can pretend not to see them. I can pretend to to kind of like talk to the dog or... Or, you know, kid, I'm, I'm looking at my phone or something, just because I'm not quite ready to make that engagement thing there, you know, and I catch myself withholding a wee bit, you know, and it's like, how much do we add to our own loneliness, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think one of one of the so, things that has kept... So are we and, saying then that loneliness could be addictive because of the chemical component that we get when we're in that mindset? Well, the, the less we do, the less we do for sure, and the more we do, the more we do. We know that about human beings, but... You know, you go into a cafe or a restaurant, right, and you might see somebody cleaning out, well, it used to be cleaning out the ashtrays or cleaning out the glasses or wiping tables and stuff. And I often think I must have been a major dean in a past life because I often look at the surface in a space and all she's doing is avoiding coming up to a table and going, hiya, how you doing? What can I get you? What would you... Because it takes a big commitment to connect and make eye contact and mm. reach out and be in service to others. So she's going to be just a displacement activity, busy, 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 make it look like she's doing a good job, but actually not coming up and putting a hand in the back of somebody's chair and making eye contact and going, how are you doing? What would you like to eat? Do you think some people don't realise they're lonely? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because I started this by saying, I don't think I know what loneliness feels like. And now I'm thinking about points in my life where I did feel lonely. So do you think that is like we're almost in um, denial of our own loneliness? Or denial, is it denial or is it that we're ad- 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 adaptogens, you know? We adapt, the human organism is an adaptogen. So if you feel lonely for a day, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, if I said, how lonely do you feel? Oh, I feel about a 9 or a 10. Day 2, how lonely do you feel? Oh, I feel about an 8. Day 3, a 6 or a 7. But actually, you're still a 9. It's just because the organism's starting to become so used to it so quickly. Oh. Because that's what we do, so we adapt to it. So if our inner state is lonely, and then we look at our personality type that has to be larger than life or has to be seen when we go into a room, or indeed asking somebody, like, you bought yourself that new shirt, how did you feel when you bought it? Felt fantastic when I bought it. How did you feel 10 minutes after you get home with it? Just gone. I'd no way to put it. Because it's like trying to feed a hungry ghost when you're lonely because in loneliness it doesn't have anywhere to land. Mm. Because if it did have somewhere to land, it would start to make us more buoyant and our endorphins would start to increase the happiness. But when happiness is short-lived and we're constantly looking for happiness in the next thing or the next activity, yeah. I think that's what I was trying to say earlier on when I was thinking about started saying about that experience in the Monday and the Tuesday cuddling the pillow and then being lonely the next day and very quickly I just went let's snap out of that and go for a run and um, you know I exercise a lot am I running away continually from loneliness because I don't feel lonely but I exercise you know I run six mile every day Um, I hike every weekend and if I don't I think I become a basket case, I become brain fogged, I became... But actually how I become is I become lonely to myself. Mm. So for me to feel connected to myself, I have to do a lot of exercise to feel whole, to get that feeling of wholeness. So is wholeness the opposite of loneliness? Is wholeness connection? Is loneliness disconnection? Why are we split? Yeah, yeah. 
Do you feel guilty if you feel lonely? And that's why you get the trainer's own. Because I know and we're joking about you doing this 10 days, 10 days, Ross, where you know you're just having juices and water and stuff. And how we can do that? Could you do 10 days on your own without going for a run or a walk? I'm not suggesting you do it. <laughs> oh, well, I did. I did. I did. I went into a dark room therapy. I did 10 days in a cave where I was starved of light for 10 days. So I had done that. I've done that in 1996, so I've not got any trouble with that. And I would do it again. I would do it tomorrow if somebody helped me. Could make qualms be doing that? I think, you know, this is something that's an so maybe idea. maybe that's different. Maybe that's, you know, because we could talk about solitude and solitude is a choice. You know, we could talk about the Zen Buddhist monk. She sits there and she's not making any connections with, with any other human being and she's not dependent on their feedback to her, but she is completely connected to her, her own higher power, her own kind of... Sense of oh, is herself, that just you know? self? Is but, that just being connected to self and how fragmented and yeah. dualistic the self has become? That yeah, we, but, but that I don't we think be- it's an accident that the animals went in two by two, you know? I mean, every single one of us must have had a situation in our lives where we felt utterly known and seen and accepted and held. You want it to be a photograph, you know, you don't want it to stop. You know, that thing when you think, you know, oh my God, I'm in love with someone and they love me, you know, you know th- that moment of deep, deep knowing of another, that's so rare for us. Is that not what, what we're, we're desperate for and frightened we'll never get? Do you know, you've brought up there with what you were saying, Ross, about this idea, this concept that's been bubbling in my brain for the last few weeks, about returning back to yourself and like that journey home. And it reflected in a really way that I now live in the house I grew up in. We've bought it four years ago, right? And then I was laughing that I went on a course with a guy that's in um, Los Angeles and it was a Zoom thing, obviously. And all he talks about in that, or not all, but his teacher that he's referring to a lot is a guy called Sidney Banks, who was a Scottish welder. He was a mystic, right? And how funny. uh And so the three principles (laughs) are. So he goes from, ah, there I am going to, not physically going, but I'm going to do a course and paying to do a course with a guy in America. And here I am, he's telling me the teachings of a welder for Scotland, right? Sidney Banks. Right. So then I start to think about, what is this thing about coming back to myself, about honouring who I am? So if I'm really honouring who I am, then I'm okay with owning the fact I feel a wee bit lonely the day, I feel fantastic the day, I feel miserable the day, I feel fat the day, whatever I feel. If I can own what I feel, then I can share it with the people around about me. Yes. Without fear of rejection or Absolutely. this Disney look. Yes. And so it's about that, do we need to be right back in touch with ourselves? Yeah, and maybe that's why people withhold their, their connections. I mean, us Glaswegians, one of the things I think Glaswegians don't rate in themselves, and I think it's one of the most sophisticated ways to be ever, and it's friendliness as a way of being. Not friends with your friends, but just friendliness. Right. You know, we're talking about loneliness. We're not in a London suburb. You know, we're not in one of those hick towns in America where I think loneliness could be really, really terrifying. In Glasgow, any bus stop, any any queue, any you can strike up a conversation and it's normal. Try doing that in London and they'll think you're Try being in London. Edinburgh. Trying to I do think it as well, though, you look at, there's some wee towns, I'm sure all over the world, but like down in Ayrshire, where there is so much poverty that even the shops have shut down because nobody's got any money to spend. Uh-huh. So you have wee towns, not that far from where we're sitting just now, where there is nowhere to go and you have no money to spend. How do you build social connection in those environments? 
where you are hungry, you're depressed, all the rest, how can you possibly begin to think? Because like me and you, Abby, we would talk to anybody anywhere we go. And I was in London last week and I struck up conversations in the tube just because I wanted to see if it was possible. I was just having a laugh with myself. Turns out it is. Turns out it is. So what what we're saying basically is that in that accountability, everybody has to understand that we are generally missing out loads of opportunities to connect all the time, every moment, every you know. But you why know. would you reach out to connect if the situation that put you into loneliness was a trauma that caught you to go into split, which put you into duality, which means you're going to naturally gravitate towards the part of that split that's going to keep you safe. So then you assume the safety is in the isolation, which it's actually paradoxical that that's actually unsafe, then you're not going to be able to do what you're suggesting. Sure. That's not possible. But it is possible if you actually started to kind of like try to parent that wee part of you that's trying yep. to keep you safe. For you know, sure. if, you, if you were doing that thing where you're For able sure. to kind of sort of say, look, it's okay, I'm here. Like, well, just listen. And if you feel uncomfortable and we go to that party or we go to that wedding or we go to that thing and you don't feel, then we'll just leave, you know. You know we'll, so, we'll, we'll, so, so you were a wee guy and you walked into a party and you were really shy, shy, lonely, blah, 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 all of those feelings. You were a wee dude and you went and you then... We're feeling these really uncomfortable feelings, right? And then the organism splits and either goes one or two ways, becomes chronically shy and then stops wanting to go to parties because it can't deal with the anxiety, which is shy-orientated, which then creates you into loneliness, or the, the organism splits and pops into another type of personality, which is an adaptation, and that little guy starts to become like really loud and, hey, everybody, how are you all doing? Really nice to see you. And it's this adaptation. So there's actually no... And inverted commas, it's no real. Nobody's real. Sure. Everybody's walking about acting. Yeah, and we're not talking about that. But you know, you're right, that is not the antidote to loneliness. I mean, one of the things that one of the phrases always made me laugh was if you're an extrovert, on a good day, you look at an introvert and you think wet blanket. And on a bad day, you look at an introvert and you think, deep thinking and stuff like that. And the opposite is true. If you're an introvert, on a good day, you look at an extrovert and you think loudmouth. But in a bad day, you look at an extrovert and you think social skills, you know, you know. So, I mean, Anne's right. I am friendly as a person. I'm also a chronic independent and terrified of codependency. So I've been single for decades, you know. So I'm happy to speak to you all in sundry as long as nobody wants to really know me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a paradox so, in itself. So there's a, there's, a, there's a loneliness that we're talking about that is about, you know... If, if you've lost yourself because you've split and everybody's yes. split, everybody's living in a split way because everybody's been traumatised. And we've really got to get clearer in about what trauma is. The minute you turn around and talk about trauma, folk just go, well, I was in a war or I've never seen a bomb or I've never seen a tsunami. Trauma. Air pollution. That's a trauma. You know, emotionally, parents emotionally unavailable. No through, no through choice. They were busy. They were working. They weren't there. It wasn't it that they meant it? it? Wasn't it that there was neglect? That's a trauma. Trauma is anywhere where your need was not met in accordance of your system. And how can anybody else do that? So nobody else is ever going to be able to take care of that need. So by the mere merit that everybody's been traumatized, because when you're little, you can't take care of the needs yourself because you're a dependent, sure. and that's the thing. That's another terminology of, you said, codependency. It's not in rhyme with dependency. Yeah. Dependency is actually, we're all dependent. Co-creative interdependency is what we all need. Yeah. We're dependent on each other. We are. But we've, we've maybe been bred, you don't need anybody for anything. You'll do that yourself. You don't, you don't need to ask for help. And sure. what's that bred? Well, is that bred loneliness? 
Because then when I can't do it myself, I feel like I'm a failure. There's something wrong with me. And may, may, There's something wrong with maybe me. Maybe at some level, the lonely folk amongst us understand that it is a, it's an empty chalice to turn another human being kind of going, right, you're going to make the difference then. You're going to be the guy that makes the difference. You're going to be the one that makes me happy. You're the one. My happiness is now your responsibility. Aye. You know, and you can't give, give that away. Somebody else will drop it every single Absolutely. time. And, and there are worse things than being in your own. I've got I've got a girlfriend who I love dearly and she's been married for nearly three decades and she basically says if her husband died she'd um, wait for a, a kind of an appropriate period of grief and immediately get herself another husband and she says there's only one thing you need to always make sure you're in a relationship and that's the refusal to not be in one. She's just basically say I'm not doing single. I've no interest in singledom at all. It doesn't interest me. It's not something I want. It's not something I'm... You know, she said, I will not live alone. As soon as I'm in a situation where I'm on, I'm on my own, I will find a spouse, I will find a partner, I will make it happen. And if you really oh. want it, you can make it happen. And, uh, and and I think she's right. I think she probably will. I mean, I think if that's what you want, you can certainly make it happen. But that wouldn't be what loneliness would look like, I don't think, to me. Like, if, if I wasn't there with Gary, which would be because he had died, I think, because I can't see anything else... Meaning I wouldn't be with him. I would no, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't take another husband. I'm a one husband woman, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't take another man. Take another man. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? So therefore, it comes back to doesn't it that loneliness is something different for us all? Mm. But then, if we take that leap, so whose responsibility is it to fix society's lonely problem? You know, in the pandemic word, we all use too much, but there are nine million people lonely in the UK. Nine million and, people. And, and is something about Somebody the UK. Somebody has to do something. Sure. And I think there's something UK-wide about it. You know, for example, you know, the weather's in there. So you go to Cuba and what you'll find in a, you know, a balmy midnight evening, all the women are in the wall laughing their heads off. All the guys are playing dominoes in a big kitchen table. You know, in, in countries where the weather's really balmy, everybody's out the house. Mm. Everybody's hanging out together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you get this kind of feeling of... Um, Folk in these centrally heated, you know, I don't know, just, just, do you know, and it's funny, ladies and older like, men on their own in these me houses. Saying, me saying up. that um, I went for a walk every single week. I've, Sandra's been my best pal for 26, 27 years, and every single Sunday in the pandemic, we went for a walk, right? Now, sometimes in our climate, that was brutal. And that's when I would get a wee bit depressed by the, the mm-hmm. pandemic because I'd be coming home on a Sunday, I'd be absolutely soaking. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? we had been walking about trying to drink a cup of coffee and the snow and mm. the wind and the rain I still needed the human connection yes. Yes. but oh my god it was a bit like I can hear weather beating you know that yeah. <laughs> like completely soaking and we it, do but we do. I still I suppose it would, would it have been easier for us to just be like no let's not go a walk it's raining but we refused to so we just refused to not do that. Absolutely. But I agree, if it had been sunny, we would have done it a lot longer and, na- and a lot more time. And we na- need nature, that. nature does help. We need connection. And na- nature does help, you know. I mean, you know, when I used to work in, um, I worked in a lot of mental health situations, doing drama and creative storytelling and stuff. And I'd be with, you know, occupational therapists or something and we'd be sitting around talking about, you know, Fred or Mamie who were leaving that day, you know, so they'd sort of very institutionalised with their stay. But they were going home, you know, they were getting their own flat and getting their own space. And basically one of the big conversations was, was it going to be a budgie, a kitten or a dog? You know, there was no way that you could let that person go out without something. Because for me, loneliness, the best antidote to loneliness is to man a soup kitchen or to look after something or somebody else. 
you know, even gardening helps, you know, anything that, that you can nurture that makes you see your effect on what's happening out there, you know. So invariably, one of the OTs would be away at the pet shop to get a wee blue budgie or a, or a kitten because, you know, if maybe a Joe were going out to a house on their own, the only thing they could offer was something that would make them feel less lonely. But, you know, it's funny, I had a neighbour called Anna Maria and Anna Maria would come to my door when I lived in a flat in Buckley Street and she would go, oh, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely. And I would go, right, Anna Maria, your sister in Naples wants you to come and stay. Just get your act together and go to Naples. Abbott, 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 she's this and Abbott, this and Abbott, Abbott, Abbott. And I would go, okay, right. What about your sister in Florida? She'd, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but I don't drive it. I'm so lonely. And I would go, right, well, man, a soup kitchen. And I mean, I'd get off my doorstep. You just go, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but, ah, but nothing I say to you. You know, and it was like she really started to attach herself to her. Her loneliness is something you that defined that her. Is that addiction? Well, is that know, addiction to that particular I'm, channel that you're watching inside your mind? Well, the terrible story about Anna Maria was that... Um, everybody that she dealt with, you know, in fact, she was mad at me once because she came at the door and she said, ah, the plumber's ripping me off. They, you know, they, you know. I said, Anna Maria, every story you tell me, whether it be the plumber or the guy in the post office or the likey guy or the traffic, they're all trying to rip you off. They're all trying to undermine you. Every single, it's a bit like murder, she wrote. She's obviously doing all the murders because every time she turns up, there's a murder. And I said, Anna Maria, everybody you meet's a bad guy. Everybody I meet's a good guy. What's going on there? It's a cruel thing to say. And she was mad at me. Anna Maria died behind her door. I moved out and found out for neighbours later that she was dead for three days behind her own door. Oh. And I can't help thinking, Anna Maria, if you just had a wee bit more faith in folk, you know, if you just maybe thought of yourself as a contributor as opposed to somebody who was expecting. Do you know what I mean? I think there's something mm. in that. If, if you're lonely, reach out. You know, do something for somebody else. Aye. You know, be somebody else's solution is I think the way There's to go. There's a big thing about how we label ourselves and how other people begin to label us, I think. Like, if I was to label myself as lonely and then other people would label me as lonely, would them spending time with me be through, like, oh, I feel I need a sense of duty. Oh, I better go and spend time with Anne. She keeps saying she's lonely, but I don't really want it because she's lonely. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and well, that's, that's, by that's... labelling ourselves, do we actually just, like, mess with our own reality and all our relationships well it's a skill it's a skill to be able to hold another person's emotional state of being it's a skill to be able to do that right and what you were saying Anne around about you'd go a walk in the park for a coffee even if it was cold in those moments you said it was your best friend and in that moment you were able to gravitate towards her internal frame of reference internally she was able to gravitate towards your internal frame of reference you were able to emotionally and empathetically connect with one another even through your micro expressions and the tilt of your head and how she responded to something you would say that's a skill by us keeping our children in rooms, playing computer games, Mm. no going out to keep them super, we're actually not working that muscle of empathy or compassion to be able to hold another person's state. So then when we are in the company of another person that's making us feel something, that's really uncomfortable because I can't be with it. So then I'm just not going to put myself back in that position again. I'm going to not connect. I'm going to stay away from that other person's fault. We're back to self-esteem. We're back to how we see ourselves you know, we're back to that idea of being reflected in other people. I once worked at Cardona College and I had a retirement group that I took every Tuesday afternoon. I had different groups. There was a bunch of people who were all retiring. And what we realised out of all the role-playing and improv and stuff was that 
when folk were retiring, they weren't worried about money or time or how to spend their time or what to do. It was all about an expectation of them out there in the world. We ended up making a postcard with a hand and a door handle. And the feeling was, I need to know that if I open that door, there's two people or 200 people, the way there used to be when I was working, who are going to turn around because they've had a picture in their head of me turning up. And they're going to turn around and they're going to go, is that you in? Right, listen, put the kettle on, you said like, And there's going to be a pick-up for where we left off so that I exist outside my own heat. I exist in other people's expectations of me. I exist out there as a as somebody that's not going to just turn up, but I'm going to like show up for mm. other people. For me, the, the antidote to your loneliness is about risking rejection enough to actually say, can I help? Can I be there? Can I be with you? Can I do something? You know, and as I said, I think as Glaswegians are very sophisticated in our friendliness, and I think that needs to be seen you know, as the incredible, powerful place that it is. The calling upon it is that as soon as you start to, I understand if you feel lonely, and that leads to low self esteem and anxiety, and all the rest, and it can become circle. a vicious, vicious circle. So, as the calling upon is that as soon as you start to feel lonely, that you do something about it before it becomes crippling. Like when the button in the jeans is getting a bit tight, do something about it before it just pops off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when the motor starts making a funny yeah, noise, yeah. take it to the garage yeah. before the noise gets worse. And it's about, we do have power, therefore, yeah. to change the direction that this is going and, to and, take. And, and that experience, you know, it's like a snowball effect, you know. The more that you actually reach out and you get you get that, you know, like you know, like Ross, I think you're right, the social media, you know, my, my God, the online dating, it made me laugh when a girl the other day said, and they're all nutters. And you're like, surprise, surprise. If you're online dating, go and meet folk in the park. Talk to somebody who you can get their energy. Aye. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the daring do of connecting and reaching out, isn't it? And being real. And being, being real, you. Being you. And owning that. And being like, and all this is who I am. Like me. Yeah. Good. Don't yeah. like me. That's all right. Move yeah. along. Choose it or lose <laughs> it. Choose it or lose it. And believing that all Sweet the projections life. we have. Yeah. All the projections we have on other people are really just our own fears about ourselves. You know, that they're, they're all, you know, folk are decent. I think most folk are good. So that's what we're saying. We're basically saying daring do to actually extend the hand of friendship, extend the, the connection and just trying to, the more lonely you feel, the more reach out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. See you next time. Thank you for listening to our programme. You can find future episodes on Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With thanks to Matt Ramsey for editing and mixing this episode. This podcast was produced by Solace Sounds. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.